Hey, worldly listeners. So this week, the Vox Media Podcast Network is celebrating the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 with a bunch of moon-related episodes. That's right. We are taking you to the moon. Primetime has an episode about the moon on TV. Future Perfect has an episode about moon rocks and Arctic ice. And we, this week, did a crossover episode with The Weeds, which is about Trump's Space Force proposal. You'll hear Alex Ward talking with Jane Coaston and Matt Iglesias. And, well, let us know what you think about the episode. I've been amused for what I think the funniest subplot of the Trump era has been that there's going to be a Space Force. And there's Space Force hats. And one of the things about this is that, like, Trump just says stuff all the time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Time, as we've also been discussed here. And what he says, uh, a lot of time has very little to do with policymaking that's actually happening. Um, and so it was several months into uh, the Space Force that I first noticed that the Space Force is actually real. It is. That this, like, isn't just something that Donald Trump says. There's, like, real bills. There's, like, a Defense Department. There's, like, this vast maw of defense bureaucracy. And, like, they're actually working on this. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I think it, it will be a thing. Like, it, it, it's not just that they're working on it. There will be a Space Force. Right. Like, it will exist. I think it's worth taking a, a just a quick step back to say, like, Although Trump does say things, this has been a long-term proposal, right? So, in fact, uh, like, I think he said something that he heard and was like, that just sounds cool. Right. <laughs> and went forward with it. No, no. And that's <laughs> an important distinction because sometimes Trump says stuff that's disconnected from policy and then people scramble to backfill. But this is the opposite of that, right? This is like there had been machinations to get the American military more involved in space moving forward for years. Trump heard something about it and decided it was cool to talk about. I also think it's worth noting that when I hear Space Force, I immediately think, okay, it's finally time to take down Bajor because it's been causing too much problems because I watch Deep Space Nine. But this is actually about, like, U.S. satellites being at risk. This is about hypersonic technologies. This is about, like, when we're talking about space, this is not just, like, way out space. This is also the space that's directly above our heads. And I know that that sounds very rote, but it's it's helpful to think of this in actual brass tacks, concrete terms about like when we're talking about space, we are talking about actual space. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. yeah. So what, Alex, what, what is this? What, what, what's going on here? Sure. So 
really since the 90s, there's been a, a belief that dealing with space has just been across the board bad. And the reason is it has just been distributed in multiple places. There's an Air Force Space Command, but the Army and Navy have some space equities. Uh, there's a different sort of acquisition office. There are different commanders that think about space. There's also a strategic command, another unified command. So the theory of the case with the Space Force is we need to have a homebody, a its own separate military force, which would be our sixth, uh, our sixth branch, to just focus solely on operations in space. And th what they would do is mainly protect the satellites and GPS things, as Jane rightly pointed out, that are floating above our heads, right? So when you use a GPS in your car to get from A to B, you're relying on space. When you swipe right on Tinder, you're relying on space, right? So all of so for the U.S. It's very important for us to maintain and, and protect these civilian assets and, inc and including the military assets we have in space. A lot of our missile systems re re rely on that. Let's explain some military bureaucracy because we, we don't we don't normally talk about this stuff in the weeds, right? What? And I don't know that I understand exactly. But it looks to me it, there's like two different ways that the military kind of slices up the, the pie. One is there's these different branches. So it's like there's the Army, there's the Navy, there's the Air Force. But then the other is that there's this, like, geography right. where there's a Central Command, an Africa Command. And they kind of – I don't know what the, what the term is, right? But they, they're like – they're both. So, like, a given military asset will be both part of one of the branches of the military but also part of one of these joint commands. Yeah. And that has always been a redundancy in the Pentagon. So uh, just to maybe go even a step right. back. So as Matt really pointed out, there are branches, Army, Navy, Air Force, um, Marines, there's Coast Guard and soon to be Space Force or Space Corps. And we'll get to the distinction in a second because they can't even agree on the name yet. Um, and then you have regional and functional commands. So regional commands being Central Command, Middle East, UCOM, uh, Europe, Indo-PACOM now, um, Africom, Asia, Africom um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then on top of that, you also have, like, Special Operations Command, et cetera. Right. Uh, so, so space just kind of feels like like geography. Exactly. It would be one of those geographical ones. But I, I think it's important to know two distinctions. There, it will be a space command, uh -huh. and there will be a space force. So the way to think about uh -oh. this <laughs> so the way to think about this is imagine the space force being, like, the army and right. space command being, like, CENTCOM, right? Central Command, just for a reason. So there will be a multitude of branches of services working within Space Command. Okay. Not just Space Force. But there will also be a Space Force, which is its own thing. And so th these guys, uh, whenever it's built and, and set up, are supposed to focus solely on, again, protecting these assets in space. And the reason why this is so urgent in the mind of the Pentagon is, and in fact, in the Trump administration, is that Russia and China have made great strides in space and are and they're worried about, uh, I think as the Pentagon calls it, it's a congested, contested, and competitive domain, blah, blah, blah. So my question is, so the last new branch of the military was the Air Force, which was established in 1947, Ooh. which I think to a lot of people seems kind of surprising that it would have been established after World War II, but it basically was established because World War II was like, hey, it turns out planes can do a lot of things. You know, you take a couple of B-17s over Europe and the interesting things can happen. Air so, power is good. It's true. So what can we learn from the previous establishment of a of a new branch that will tell us about Space Force? Because I just asked you, like, will there be a Space Force Academy? In real terms, how do you set up a new branch of the military? Yeah. So let's first start with the ideology. The reason there was uh, an Air Force is because you had military planners go like, 
hey, we have people focused solely on water, Navy, people fo- focused solely on land, Marines and, 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 and Army, more Army than Marines. And the reason we need an Air Force is even though these branches do think about planes and they do have warplanes, we right. need people focus fully so, uh, focus solely on air power, right? right? So that's why there's an Air Force. Because obviously we had a lot of airplanes in exactly. World War II. And to, the, and to this day, we still have Navy pilots. We still have Army pilots, right? But there is an Air Force focus only on, on, on the air. Um, now the belief is that we need a Space Force to focus only on space, even though, again, we talked about there are multiple equities throughout the military. Okay, so now what do we learn? So now that we've established that we need to defend space, now we need to actually incentivize people to join a Space Force, right? We have to maybe incentivize people to leave Army, Navy, Marines, et cetera, and go, right. do you want to completely throw your career in limbo and join a space force, come on in. Uh, We will need to develop doctrines and bureaucracy. And so doctrines meaning like, what do we do? What are our main priorities? Who is our leadership? Who do they get to advise? How important are they? And they've done, they made some pretty good strides on that. Um, do we need an academy? How how much training will we need? The Air Force being what it is requires a lot of scientific uh, training and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. The Space Force is going to need a lot more than that, uh-huh. <laughs> right? It's going to have to care very deeply about physics. And, and so you need to develop quite a pipeline. Um, you'll also need to reorganize the DOD bureaucracy, and that's frankly one of the main critiques of it, which we'll get to, I'm sure, is like the DOD is already just full of organizational boxes. Uh Why are we adding even more to the Pentagon when there are already people working on space? You'll need to develop the Space Command. And where are you going to put that? Are you going to put it in California? Are you going to put it in Colorado, et cetera? Um, And what are you going to do with the already existing space equities? Are you just going to fold them in to a space force? And how do you do that? So a lot of this was relatively, and I say that in quotation marks when it came to the Air Force, because there was a genuine sort of national desire to say that we needed that. And it was, and they just kind of, I mean, it, there were difficulties, of course. Right. Uh, but there, it was so, somewhat easier to do in 1947 than it is to, to do now. And on top of that, just American dominance in the air by 1947 was very well established as opposed to, uh, well, you do have dominance in space, but it's actually, the, the gap is a lot narrower. So, I have a four-year-old. I live in Washington, D.C. I've been to the Air and Space Museum many times. And you see there, like, the original NASA guys, they were, like, all former military pilots. Right. And the space program arose very much in a Cold War context, right? I mean, they wouldn't, they didn't, like, fight a battle on the moon. But it was about geopolitical competition with the Soviet Union. And it was using a lot of ex-military personnel. So why wasn't that the Space Force. What's the sort of history of of not having a Space Force? Part of it is just the technological advancements. We just didn't have as much stuff up there as we do now. Um, and, and really, actually, I, what I think is the, the main issue here is that the Space Force is really going to be like a cybersecurity protection force, right? They're just going to be there making sure that all our satellites and our GPSs and whatnot are not getting hacked. Uh-huh. Like and so we didn't have those abilities before. <laughs> the visible disappointment. <laughs> in your face. When I'm just like, oh, this isn't. No, this isn't. Right. No. I mean, it, it's, the thing is that I think there's the the greatest gap ever between what people hope Space Force to be and what it actually is. Like, I mean, so it's, it's more a, like computer satellite force. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the the main there is a big worry that the first moves in like World War Three. Are that Russia and China, and now my that's <laughs> <slide Sure>. <laughs> is <laughs> is that uh, Russia, China? Who you, you could expect probably. I mean, if there's gonna be World War Three, it's Russia and China or somebody. 
basically try to take out American military assets in space or hack the crap out of all of our stuff up there, right? Uh And so that's sort of move one. And and the reason that matters is, one, it pisses off the population, right? You can't get to where you want to go, but mostly for the military because it relies heavily on space, right? Their own satellites, their own communications, heck, missiles dropping. A lot of that relies on, on space. And so... The reason it was not militarized at the time was sort of one, I think most importantly, just we have more technology now and others Uh have caught up. And the other is there was a genuine feeling that it was about space exploration. And even though there was sort of competition, it was we don't want to lose in science. Now it's we don't want to lose in the militarization of space. Right. And so so we're talking the sort of hard assets that are already in space, basically, right? That without having a super deliberate policy about it, the military, like everybody, it's not just the military, relies on communication satellites and relies on GPS to like get where they're going. And it's become a point of military vulnerability, potentially. The thing that I'm interested in is a lot of the work that Space Force would be doing on cybersecurity is already being done. And I'm aware that duplication has never stopped the Department of Defense from doing anything. Right. But how would Space Force differentiate itself from the work being done on protecting satellites that the military has already been doing? You know, this is something, granted, a lot of my knowledge of this comes from Steven Seagal movies, but like this appears to be a concern that's been around for a long time. It's something the military has been thinking about is how to protect these satellites. Yeah, what's changed? Yeah, And to be fair, I think Trump's thinking about this comes from Steven Seagal movies, too. Uh, so. Under siege is pretty solid. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, so in terms of the substance, nothing is really going to change. The issue here is that just like why do they establish an Air Force? It's about focus. So the critique is that the Air Force has to focus on cybersecurity, um, air dominance, and space, among many other things. And that causes a lot of problems. And I, and I mentioned the Air Force specifically because they're the ones that have Air Force Space Command. So they have the most equities when it comes to space as of right now. Strategic Command to a certain extent and the other branches as we discussed. And so the critique is they just can't focus on space enough on top of that airmen, as they come up, aren't really space-focused, right? They're focused on flying planes, and they're focused on air dominance. So it's not about Space Force will do new and exciting things. It is about making sure that there is a a, a service that focuses specifically on the main things of protecting space and also acquiring the necessary capabilities and, and creating a culture of space war experts. This is really about getting ahead of an issue, I think, which is space is already kind of militarized. They're worried it's going to get even more militarized. And so let's have a professional service that is capable of defending anything that we need, especially if things get bad. So when we talk about focus, right, it feels to me when when you talk about sort of government organization, a lot of this always has to do with career trajectories, right? And so institutions, you know, they get big. They do more than one thing. But there's usually something that is considered like the core and like, If you want to get ahead, like most of the leadership in the organization will have come up through doing like one kind of thing, right? And then something else becomes non-core, right? It's it's not your focus. It's not what what you do and it's not where the prestige is. And then that can become a big issue, right? So like this is the thing for the Air Force, right, which is acquired – like one thing they do, right, is just like airlift, right? They like move people from place to place. Sure. But that's not like the cool thing to do in the Air Force, right? Like what Air Force people identify with as like their strongest mission is being fighter pilots. Yes. 
in the Marines, it's being an infantryman, right? And, uh, and actually in the Army too. In the Navy, it's kind of like being a, a destroyer captain. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So there's like there's like something that's like in your head, right? And there's something that like the top guys usually came out of this background. And that's like not cybersecurity in outer space. So if you create a new force, the idea is you create a thing where like the people who are in there, they feel valued. Right. In every service, there will there's somebody who does logistics. There's somebody who does um, accounting. They're not going to become a four star right. because that's not the core in equity and, and, and mission of the service. Uh, right now, we do not really have people who do the core equity of what's supposed to be the Space Force, except those in Air Force Base Command, which is why the already uh, confirmed, and we do have a Space Commander, um, his General can, can J- John Raymond. Say, can I just uh, say that Space Commander is the greatest title I've ever heard. It's pretty I, good. I don't need to know anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Supreme Allied Commander is pretty great. It's true. But, but Space Commander is pretty good. Um, so John, General John Raymond, he's been confirmed. He exists. And the reason he got it is because... Because, again, he was leading Air Force Base Command, and right. he's sort of the guy with that knowledge. Going forward, there, there are hopes that there will be new John Raymonds coming up through the ranks and and who knows from where. To Jane's earlier great question, will there be a Space Force Academy? I don't know. I'd join if I were young. Like That right. sounds cool. Um, but I think it does make sense to create at least a culture of... Uh, as you rightly say, Matt, like to have these kinds of people. The, the hope was that this could have been done in the Air Force as it was. And the reason this proposal keeps coming up is because they feel like, no, the, the space uh, competencies keep getting subordinated to flying fighter jets. Right. So you were showing me like a grid of different proposals, right? So that that's in my next question. Like, so what's in the mix, right? There, it seems like there's some kind of consensus in defense circles that they want to create something like this. But then what are they disagreeing about? So the, the name. Well, yeah, the name most <laughs> importantly is the most glaring. In one of them, basically, the, right now there's a difference between calling it the Space Force and the Space Corps. Uh, so they need to figure that out first. Uh, <laughs> is, is that is that tied to something? You know, sometimes these naming disputes are just about names. But is there like a lurking? Because there's a Marine Corps and there's an Air Force. So everyone agrees that the Space Force, whatever, is going to be a part of the Air Force, um, like bureaucracy. In the way that the Marines are part of the the secretary are under the Secretary of the Navy, right? The Secretary of the Air Force will oversee the Air Force and the Space Force. But those that are saying we need a Space Corps is to kind of signal that like it's its own service, but it's under something else. Okay, um, I, that's kind of how they see it. But it's it's semantics, and frankly, stupid. They just need to figure <laughs> that out. A lot of it really has to do with civilian positions. Should we have an undersecretary of defense for space? Should we have or should we elevate like the deputy assistant secretary of defense for space? A lot of this is just has to do with where do we move the bureaucratic needles around? How much money should it get? Right. We've seen uh, leaked proposals from the Air Force that setting this up will cost up to 13 billion dollars. You've got other people being like, no, 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 it's going to be two to three billion. They they agree that there'll be a commander at the four star level of it. We already know that with John Raymond. And then actually the another thing that is interesting, and I and I think this will actually be one of the one of the harder things to do, is like, will there be a Space Force National Guard? Right? Okay. <laughs> will there be civilians who, you know, go to work and then two weeks in the summer, 
do Space Force stuff. Um, yeah, that's my question, because I'm just like, I'm sure that all of this happened with the establishment of the Air Force. However, I think with the Air Force, there very much was a sense of like, we already have all of these people who have experienced flying these planes. So setting up a separate branch in which you want to fly these planes, you want to be involved in the flying of planes, you want to help develop the B-2 or something like that, that's available. Even just basic things like, how do you recruit for Space Force? Because I think that military recruiting is one of those kind of very funny areas that I think doesn't get quite enough attention because it's a complicated thing to do. The effectiveness of military recruiting has kind of waned and waxed as t- uh, over time. But I would be very curious to see, like, what is the recruiting mechanism for a entity that, one, sounds way cooler than it probably actually is, and two, is doing something that we're trying to get out ahead of. The Air Force is answering something that's already happened. The Air Force is like, remember what we did over Dresden? We could do that more. And I think for the people behind Space Force, there's an argument like, well, we're also catching up to something that's already happening. But I'm, I would be interested to see how you make that point to people you're trying to get into it. Yeah, I know. I think that's a great question. I mean, it, right now, the, the main issue is they're trying to convince people in the other services to join the Space Force, right? And and yeah. upend their current careers to switch. Now, some may see that as a benefit because, they're you know, it's new and, you know, chaos is a ladder and you might be able to move up in the ranks if that's what your goal is. When it comes to recruiting people who aren't in the military already, I think they're going to go after STEM folks, right? I mean, that, that would make yeah. the most sense to me. But, I mean, this is all new. And, the, and the, again, when they can't even agree on the name, like, a lo- this is just going to be a lot of growing pains. And, and recruiting is was one of them. By the way, I've got a question here. You know, in my mind, this was going to be, like, awesome. We were going to have <laughs> – it was going to be, like, Starfleet or or mobile infantry, space marines, um, you know, guys with, with, like, helmets on. And, totally. you know, maybe jetpacks, little – TIE fighters, yeah. uh, bunch of Boba Fett's starships. <laughs> well, so obviously, right? That's that's military. We've we've all seen those movies. We've we've seen those those shows, and you know they've got ranks. They salute. They have phasers. Um, but if we're actually talking about like a bunch of uh, nerds working on <laughs> cybersecurity, like why does that have to be a military operation? At all, like what that that sounds to me like the kind of thing that law enforcement and intelligence agencies normally do, like people at desks, like typing away on their computers, like maybe make some phone calls, like, hey, let's check it out, like load up the satellite. Right. Like if we're not talking about people like going into space and fighting, like why is this the military? Uh, two reasons. One is because there's there's a ton of military assets already there. And part of space defense will include like shooting things at things in space. Um, the other reason is, again, the worry about like actual in the same reason we have a cyber command and uh, right like there yeah. are there is hacking and fighting in the cyber realm. And so we now need to do that kind of same thing in space. At this moment, I'm sure there are Russians and Chinese and whoever trying to hack into our systems in space and we need and we have people fending them off. So you, just from behind desks. From behind desks, right. I mean, maybe in the future there will be like a, a space, a military space station, you know, space base. Uh-huh. Um, okay, <laughs> sure. Um, let it be. But right now it re- it is very, it's just people on Earth protecting stuff in space th- through cyber and th- with missiles. There's a treaty though, right, about like putting weapons in space? Yes, but it that's I mean this is part of like you're not supposed to militarize space, but again, you can shoot missiles from Earth to space and and knock things down. This right. is one of our worries about 
um, when the Chinese did this, they shot one of their own satellites and we kind of went, that was a weirdly Sputniky moment for us. We we're like, oh, wait a minute. The Chinese can kind of like shoot some satellites down. Okay, that's worrying. Um, the Russians have advanced tremendously. And so, again, it's just about the gap in arrowing. And we're like, okay, well, we need to protect our, our stuff here. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Conceptually, the interesting thing about this is that it's all about Chinese and Russians. We are not talking about uh, the Taliban going into outer space. There's no, like, space cada. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no global war on space terrorism, right? <laughs> yeah, no, but so this is something that I, I, I don't know that people who are, you know, sort of casual consumers of political news um, are quite attuned to this. But but I feel like something that is bubbling up from the um, the, the depths of, of the national security realm is a kind of turning of the page on this war on terror era and a focus on, like, great power politics. And this is part of that. Yes. I mean, I think uh, the Trump administration rightly, in their doctrine, right, in their writings or whatever they're worth, or like, you even had Mattis basically say global war on terrorism is still a thing, but it's, it's subordinated to worrying about great powers. It seems like it's Pence's idea, too. Like, Pence is super interested in space. And um, I'm sure he heard these ideas in the 90s and uh -huh. so, you know, brought up to the president, as did others. Um, Michael Griffin, who's also at the Pentagon and, like, one of the originators of the Reagan-era space war, um, uh, Star Wars, is kind of leading this, too. Right. So, yes, it is It is part of great powers. And, is, and they keep saying Russia, China, Russia, China. Of course, there are other hackers out there, North Koreans, Iran. But when it comes to space, it's really those two. Um, that said, like it's it's just a gen it's been a genuine worry forever. Right. No, I mean it's like the concern has always been out there, but there is a shift in like whose concerns get sort of listened to. Oh yeah, over no, time, saying, right? Yeah. You know what I mean. So it's like you could go right in in 2006. Like there were people in the Pentagon saying all this terrorism is overblown. What we should be doing is building uh, huge, uh, you know, uh, naval ships to fight war with China for control over the South China Seas. But people weren't paying attention to that. Right. And you would get dismissed. It's like, well, of course, this Navy guy, like he wants more money for his surface fleet because that's what Navy people want but like terrorism like that's that's the shit right like we're we're talking about marines we're talking about jsoc right like this is what's what's hot counterinsurgency people were everywhere david petraeus became this like huge you know like mini celebrity with his like manuals on right. how to go to random villages and and make nice to people the space force being elevated in this way seems to me like a consequence of you know both like the world changes but also like fads kind of shift. It's like it's not cool to be into counterinsurgency anymore. But the thing about it is it may not be cool, but counterinsurgency is still taking place. Like, you know, we're still at Camp Lemonnier in Djibouti sending out drones over Yemen to do something. And I'm aware that at, at a certain point I'm just going to start sounding like, like an anti-war libertarian, but I'm just like— 
the military is doing a lot right now. And this would expand the ability of the military to do more of a lot. So my question is, how much of this is based on real and active threats that clearly are coming up when there are also real and active threats ongoing in, say, Niger or with dealing with Boko Haram or something like that, which is also a big threat for the military. It feels like this would stretch the military's capacity in a way that I'm I'm just a little confused at. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Two points. One, the argument that they would make, uh, they being the Pentagon, is, well, we're already doing this space stuff. Okay. We're just refocusing and having a service that is just more doing attuned, it better, doing it better and more attuned to it. And, and really, in a lot of people's minds, this is just about acquisition uh, streamlining, right? Because the Air Force is bad. At, uh, it, so the, go the critics. The Air Force is just bad at getting the right space stuff. And on top of that, there are people in the Army and Navy and elsewhere getting space stuff. And so we just need to streamline this, this space sure. acquisition process and save the taxpayers some money. The other is, and, and you can always fight this argument, is like, we're America, damn it. And we can, yeah. we, right, we can fight terrorists on the Arabian Peninsula and in the middle and elsewhere in the Middle East and in Western Africa and also protect satellites in space. Like it's not an either or. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, I mean, you again, you're, you're more than uh, within your right to fight that <laughs> argument, but that's kind of like, of course we can do all this. And now that the Pentagon's roughly getting $750 billion. Plenty. It's, it's plenty, plenty, to, plenty to do this. Yeah. So if the problem is that the Air Force is bad at this, why are you creating a new thing that's part of the Air Force? It's not that the Air Force is bad. It's just that it could be better, right? Mm. And <laughs> like, I don't think anyone would say the the Air Force has been bad at space and has and has done horribly uh, and ceded all this territory. The issue just comes down to, again, <laughs> we just need to do space better. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like, we've had a space command before, by the way. I don't know yeah. if you knew that. We've had one before. Um, so like these kinds of ideas have been percolating in the back of the head. So when Trump was like, I just want one, I think they thought the easiest thing to do was put it under the Air Force. We don't have to create a new branch. Like it's just right. And so um, it, it just it just made things a lot easier. And again, it's just also because a lot of the equities are there. It made the split kind of easier to do. Uh, last thing is that uh, well, Mattis was against it originally. Um, and so was Heather Wilson, who used to be the secretary of the Air Force. They were against having a space force um, for the main reasons of like they didn't want to add more bureaucracy and they thought that the Air Force was doing just fine. And then when Trump was like, no, we are getting a space force, immediately they were saying, well, we you know, we were convinced of it. You can do this. So it blah, turns blah. out big government is fun. <laughs> yeah. So so that's I mean, I, I know that's not a satisfying reason, but like right. that's the, and frankly, the why I'm sort of speaking in generalities and all over the place is because like that's where we're at. It the idea will exist. We will have a space force, we will have a space command, we will have all these things. It's just everything is very nebulous at the moment. And so this gets worked out in Congress. Yes. Basically. Con- Congressional legislation in, in 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 tandem with the Pentagon. I mean, the, right now it's part of the um, NDAA, the yearly must-pass defense authorization bill. At the moment, House and Senate are sort of fighting on what specifics to have, what the name of the thing will be. Uh, but this is sort of the real, not the first time uh, space legisl- legislation like this has existed, but it's the first real sort of legislative push. Like, okay, we're going to have this thing. We're making moves. We have a space commander. Let's get this thing rolling. Right. But like, so, so it would come out of a congressional process. And right. Is this like an area where we have like a partisan clash or is this like nice old time textbook Congress where people are just, I don't know working things out as individuals. It's actually been fairly bipartisan. I know Mike Rogers, Republican congressman from Alabama, and Jim Cooper, Democrat from Tennessee, I believe. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, they were behind this for a while. 
they've got tons of Democrats are on board, tons of Republicans are on board of where they differ is like, how much should this cost? How much love to Trump should they give? <laughs> and many specifics. But this is, I don't like no Congress, no person on the Hill that I've talked to has said we shouldn't have right. some sort of specialization and, and greatness in space. Uh, this is all about making space great again for America. Sure. <laughs> but so, but like budget is obviously always important to these things, right? So there's like one vision of this where you would say, okay, we're already doing a bunch of things in space. We have a lot of equities in space. Different people have different things. And we're going to mostly redraw the lines of the box. And then there's another vision of it where you're like, no, we need a huge like infusion of money into like a new space thing that's going to be like triple space, right? Like, so like, I, I mean, and I assume there's some formula i mean there there must be some some way that these decisions get made like within the huge pentagon budget right like how much money does the navy get how much does the air force get right and like some wrangling i mean it's billions of dollars yeah and one of the things i'm interested to see is uh, right now again the estimates we're seeing is like how much it's going to cost to set up this thing right? right to basically take some stuff from other branches move it um like in the future, the secretary of the Air Force is going to have to develop the Space Force budget and you're going to have to find a secretary of the Air Force that really wants to like it would seem take some money out of the Air Force budget and, and reallocate. And that's a hard thing to do. Right. I mean, is that, he, he, when people say like so and so wants a six percent increase in defense spending, is there like a automaticity into how that allocates across the different like, like is there services? an algorithm? Yeah. Uh, not really, no. The main thing to understand when it comes to the military is like, what was done before? All right, we're going to keep doing that until someone tells us to change. Right. So this just comes down to like, usually just have a certain amount of pay raises for troops. Um, they will know what other space um, equipment costs. And so they'll factor all that in. Like not the, the good thing here is that a lot of this won't be too new in the sense that we're not, uh, to Jane's point earlier, we're not doing things that are like out of the ordinary. Right. We're not developing and creating new stuff in the sense of like new missions in space. They're going to take all of that and then they're just going to go, OK, here's the, the budget. But it will be political because... And this is why I actually worry about the Space Force slash Corps being under the Air Force is like if if your entire, as you rightly sort of mentioned earlier, if your entire point was, hey, the Air Force isn't focusing enough. Well, you're still giving the secretary of the Air Force a lot of power here and determine and, and, and requesting the kind of budget that you're going to want. Yeah, well, so that's what I mean. So like because the, the Marines and the Navy have this uh, relationship, right, yeah. where the secretary of the Navy oversees the Marine Corps. Uh, there's no separate Marines Academy, right? No. They they, no. they they have this kind of stuff, but it's a very different service, right? It's a different identity, different mission, a different set of ranks, a different set of, you know, sort of values, right? And that has persisted across time, right? And the top guys in the Navy don't just say like, well, we're not really interested in riflemen, so we're, we're not going to give them any money, even though like in their hearts, right, like the top admirals in the Navy are like, they, they command ships. Right. Like, that's that's the, that's their thing, right? And I don't know how that got worked out over time. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a historical process, right? But it seems like if you're saying, like, either the Air Force commanders, like, do want to commit to space, like, or they don't on some level. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to give in to a space culture. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that when we're talking about the military for a lot of people, 
there's been a lot of talk about how military culture is so divorced from kind of what everyday Americans think of. And I think, in my view, that's a very bad thing because it means that we don't adequately understand what the people serving our country are going through. But I also think like the concept of the development of space culture, which is something, you know, we have, there's Air Force culture, there's an entire conversation, you know, if you go visit the Naval Academy, they put a lot of focus on, like, Naval Academy culture, because you are, there's a culture of the Navy, a a conceit upon which the Navy rests, this idea of what it does and who it is, and people will need to come up with that for Space Force. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to come up with their own, like, shitty jokes, too. Right. <laughs> like, um, it's all bad jokes. It is. I mean, honestly, like, anytime yeah. you talk to anyone in the Navy, they're like, the Naval Obstacle Course is you have hot coffee and a donut, and you're trying to walk through the office. <laughs> or they'll always make the same stupid joke about the Marines, which is like, yeah, all we do is just give Marines a ride. Like, it's just, right? yeah. like, you're going to need that in the in, in the Space Force. You're going to need that kind of, of, of uh, culture building. And what I'm interested on that is, one, like, how do you sort of divorce it from Air Force culture? How do you, one, create it? But two, it's it's the... At least for uh, for the U.S., the first like modern day new force, and like everything we've had before was done in really slow, painstaking times right. where you had tons of time to prepare, tons of times to like create a whole bunch of doctrine and and, and setups, and like things move really fast today uh, in the world, of course, and in the news cycle, and and, and like to me, the space force is going to be the most like just in, insanely uh, hyper kind of force because they're just going to grow in a 24-hour news cycle. They're going to grow where they constantly need to deal with um, threats in space that are happening literally at light speed. That, to me, is going to be an interesting aspect. And I don't know how you work on these, like keeping China and Russia at bay and also try to like instill uh, like a remember the Titans type culture that, sure. that, you know, within the Space Force. Do the Chinese have a setup like this? Is there like people's liberation space force they there is uh, it's not it's not like the PLASF but they okay. do have like a space unit uh, the russians do um france just recently said they're going to have one uh so it's not like this well, is, france has it <laughs> okay, yeah. um, did you see that thing that, you know uh, president macron yes. just he released this weird thing of like a french soldier with it some kind of it was a very green goblin like type the, thing. the boba fett guy yeah, yeah i tweeted it out i'm so excited by it <laughs> yeah like france has boba fett it's really cool yeah um, but that ends that's poorly what for the boba space fett. force should be yeah that's well that's what i had in my head originally like the, my first deck when i wrote about space force was like troops in space and then when i learned about it, i was like oh that was really misleading yeah. and wrong but even things like you were talking about like military strategy for space and in my head i'm like like the battle of endor or something like that <laughs> like the concept like we're going to have to rethink what military strategy even entails because what are you hearkening back to you know military strategy Today is like, you know, if you go to West Point or something like that, somebody's talking about like Rommel in North Africa or like, you know, Cauldron War in Eastern Europe or something like that. But like, what are you hearkening back to at Space Force Academy? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I, yeah, I guess you're just watching Star Trek. No, I mean, it, <laughs> it, I mean, the, again, we've there are like there's Pentagon doctrine on this stuff. I think I mentioned earlier. They keep saying it's contested, congestive, and competitive. Um, and the reason is just we have. What thousands. does that mean? <laughs> it just like contested that now it's you know it used to be kind of a, as we talked earlier, kind of like a civilian safe zone, and now there's a militarization of it. Congested. There's just tons of stuff up there, making it really hard and com- and competitive. Now everyone's sort of fighting for dominance in the area. 
Uh, and so like that, that is sort of the guiding light, so to speak, right now of the Pentagon. Like that's how they sort of see the area. Um, that's how they hope to like that sort of. So now what do you do about it? And there are space strategies like we do. It does exist. Right. Um, and of course, the Air Force has it as well. So it's just about. Again, I'm trying to make this sound sexier than it is. It's just really not. It's just about reallocating things that we do to a new service. Ooh, There's nothing reallocating better resources. than a oh, like, yeah. intense, <laughs> intense bureaucratic fight. When you normally think about like space military, right? I mean, I, I don't want to be crazy, but like you think about not Chinese people, but like you're fighting aliens. Like, is is there anything? When are we getting ion cannons? Because I think that's the only way we can get those ships off this planet. Well, I don't, I don't want to give short shrift to the importance of securing our, you know, Google Maps against possible Chinese missiles. Um, but, like, there have been all these weird stories about, like, mysterious alloys and space sails and things like that. Like, like does the military, I, I mean, obviously they have their, their secret Area 51 lab. But I, Which is, we're all storming. <laughs> is there anything in the, like, overt, planning here about, like, I don't know, the defense of the planet? I mean, the Pentagon, uh, I, I can't speak specifically to, like, Plan 4924 right. is, is alien <laughs> space defense, but there is, I believe it's Plan 9999, which is to protect Earth from a zombie apocalypse. Like, the Pentagon is ready for that. Okay, that's good. So I would, be, sh- I would be shocked. <laughs> There's, of course, some random office somewhere uh, in the world that's thinking about, if the aliens come, here's, here are our first moves. I'm sure that exists. In fact, I would... You know, here I'll make it sexy. I bet you that like responsibility will move to the Space Force. Why wouldn't it? Right. Why wouldn't the Space Force be sort of the the main, uh, as the Air Force would say, belly button of um, where like we think about that kind of stuff. Wait, they say belly button? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 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 The uh, Secretary of the Air Force, uh, former Secretary of the Air Force, uh, Deborah James, who I, I talk to fairly regularly. Uh, that wasn't a name drop. It's just like I've, I've t- when Space Force was still happening, I I would call her and be like, what is this? Like, what's going on? And she was just and she's she was against it. I don't know if she's for it now. I've, uh, but at the time she was against it. And she was just like, yeah, we just can't be creating new belly buttons for the Air Force. Like, wait, belly buttons? And it's turned up that <laughs> thing that maybe, maybe I should be fair. Maybe it's what she says. But sure. I've now created believed it to be Air Force. Um, Sorry. Long diatribe. But yeah, I mean, I think alien space, to, alien defense will probably fall under Space Force, but uh, I don't think we have really... It's not the primary mission. No, but I don't know if we have the weapons for it. Like, other than shooting ICBMs really high up, I don't think we have Again, any. Again, ion cannons. <laughs> that's yeah. how you get out of this. So this is the bummer is there's no spaceships in the Space Force, Right. That, that's the other thing. It's just like... Even the basics of, like, what are you commanding? Because we've already— Well, missiles, I, right? I mean, like, right. that's that's how the Air Force got so this responsibility because they own the missiles, and you can shoot a missile. It's boring to shoot a missile from the ground into outer space. I'm aware that this— Physics works. That's generally true, except in Star Wars. And we will um, have space-based missiles soon. Nice. So here's a question that might seem very silly, but what relationship does Space Force have to NASA, the the entity that does space stuff? I mean, obviously, it appears that everyone's doing space stuff, except for me, personally. But what relationship would—because NASA, I assume, like, that's research that is not military, but it was military Kind of ish, yeah. I'm making a very strange sideways (laughs) expression because it kind of, but not really. So, like, what would that relationship look like? So we already have again Air Force Base Command and all that, right? So NASA and 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 those guys had a relationship in that 
think of it this way. The military's operations in space are there to protect what NASA wants to do. They want to make space a safe place to go and explore and and fix things and, you know, be able to go to the International Space Station, not worried about being shot down by right. something. So the relationship will stay the same. Now, do they share expertise on like, hey, we found this new calculation and that might be helpful or, you know, here's where our stuff is going to be set when you go. Right. I mean, that relationship will always exist, but I don't think it will be too nasty in the sense that like NASA's not going to go like, wait a minute, are you stepping on our toes here with the Space Force? Like what's going on? Like I don't expect no. that to happen. It, it, there was a little bit of that with Air Force Base Command and there's a little bit of that with the Air Force sort of naturally. Yeah. But it's it's a fairly friendly relationship at the end okay. of the day. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Alex Ward. Um, I-, I wanted to say, you know, you may have been noticing if you've been listening to Leads, uh, we've been sort of changing up the format of the Friday show, doing a lot of one-on-one interviews with with experts. Uh, I think that sort of experiment has been has been going well. Uh, you can expect to see more of that in the future. And you know, please let me know, uh, Matt at Vox.com, if you've got you know suggestions for other kinds of topics, other people you'd be interested in hearing from. Um, so with that, uh, you know, it's a great it's a great space week. Uh, check out Future Perfect. Check out Primetime. Thank. Thanks, as always, to uh, all, all of our listeners, our, our sponsors, to our producer, Jeffrey Geld. Also, thank you to worldly producer, Bird Pinkerton. And the Weeds will be back on Friday. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.